Amen. Well, listen, uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to that passage. It's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 down to 23. Uh, that was Esteban and Dina Valdez. They lead our Spanish ministry here at First Baptist Pearland and are doing a great job in that. And so uh, I hope that you are able to be blessed by the reading of God's Word. Uh, I don't know what language the Lord is going to have us speaking in heaven, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be His language, not, not mine. And so in the midst of that, we're going to celebrate what God is doing. And we're talking today about something that everyone has a ton of but and and they want to share but but no one needs have you ever thought about that everybody has a ton of and wants to share but no one needs in the midst of that and so um, I want you to think about what that could be for just a second it's the word perspective right everybody has a ton of it and everybody wants to share it but nobody needs it. <laughs> Have you felt that way lately? I remember when I was 15, my mom and I were driving down the road. And because I was 15, I was taking, you know, driver's ed to prepare for driving. And, and there was an exit that we were supposed to be taking. And she was driving. But I knew what, was she, what I was doing, right? And she was going to go by it and missed it. And so I remember reaching over, grabbing that wheel, and pulling it hard to make us take the exit. Now, after I did that, I thought my mom would understand that my perspective was right. We were about to miss the turn, and this was the best way to handle it. Well, let me tell you what really happened. We pulled over on that exit, and then we pulled over into a gas station. And the rest is a lesson I learned, and I will never do again. My mom didn't need my perspective. She had her perspective, and it was better. It was greater than mine. But I was so passionate that she didn't understand my view of things, that she needed to be forced into my perspective. <laughs> Is our country there right now? Have you been in that moment right now where, where you are just dying to help people understand your perspective, where you're coming from, what's going on, what they're missing? This perspective is something that we've been trying to give people it, it, it's since the dawn of time. Perspective that we normally give is not always rooted in what it needs to be rooted in. In fact, Scripture says there's only one thing that true perspective is rooted in, or one person. And that's in the Lord God, in Jesus Christ. The Lord's not looking for you and I to give perspective to help clarify His thoughts. He's not looking for you and I to give Him wise counsel. That's what Isaiah chapter 40 says. So what do we talk about when we talk about perspective today? Look in your Bible with me at that passage that was just read. We'll read verse seven, excuse me, verse 15, and we'll read it down through verse 23, and then we'll take it apart together. This is what the Bible says. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. When you recognize them, by, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, it's cut down and thrown into the fire, but you, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will come to enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I will never knew you. 
depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, I want you to walk with me through this passage a little bit because this is one of those passages that that can keep us up at night because there's a lot to it and there's a lot going on in there. And if we misinterpret it or if we allow our perspective to interpret God's word, we will water it down as idealism or we will make it so staunch that you and I will never sleep at night because the fear of what if. What if my faith is false? What if God is angry at me? What if? If you and I put our perspective on God's word instead of God's word putting its perspective on us, then, then you and I are going to find ourselves in one of those two extremes, a watered-down faith or fearful faith. And neither of those are the gospel faith. Now, if you miss anything else, this is what the Lord is saying to us. Be aware because I am aware. That's what the summation of these two passages cock into. It's be aware because I am aware. The idea of beware, what it means is this. It means be able to spot. Keep your eye on the lookout for if and when this happens. Beware doesn't mean, Jesus isn't giving us this picture that you and I should be afraid all the time. That that we should think that someone's always out to get us, that we should always be concerned about what's going on. That's an unscriptural premise. Beware also doesn't mean I want you to go looking for sin in places where where you can find it. I want you to go knock on every door. I want you to look into every person. I want you to, to not trust anybody, but instead, I want you to be the flaw seeker in everybody. And... It seems like those two things, fears and flaws, those are the perspectives that we're looking for today. Now, I can hardly read a news article or see a post or have conversations about the trials that we're going through as a country without it seeming like we've defined the term beware, not as be aware, be alert, but instead as be afraid, be untrusting, be intentional about revealing other people's sin to them. You know, what Jesus says here is beware. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Well, first of all, the scripture says, beware of false prophets that come to you. This is key. It doesn't say, I want you to go searching for the. Listen, the world is a fallen world. If you are getting irritated by someone who doesn't love Jesus Christ by what they say, then then you're going to have a very sad existence. Jesus wasn't even irritated that way. What he's saying is beware of the people who are false prophets. They're coming in sheep's clothing. What the idea of sheep's clothing is, it means they are portraying innocence, but in reality they're ravenous wolves. Their goal is to undermine biblical teaching. Those who portray innocence, whose, whose m- my idea, whose mindset, whose motion, whose movement, whose words seem to be innocent, seem to be passing off this idea of something, but inwardly, their goal is to undermine the biblical truth and the biblical teaching that God is calling his people to. I mean, think through that. In your life, have you seen anything, talked to anyone who is trying to make you feel like you have a biblical mandate to do something that is unbiblical? Have you had that process? I read this on on Facebook the other day. 
that wearing a mask is against the Lord because people want to take your guns away. Now process that for a moment. You and I having a right to bear arms is in the Constitution. It's just not in the Bible. There's nothing wrong with it necessarily, but to link that with God's Word is to, under the guise, sheep's clothing, under the guise of innocence, teach a truth that's not a biblical truth. Now, that's a lightweight one. Another one that we could go into would be the law of reconciliation. To reconcile means to bring together, right? That's what reconciling means, being to bring together. If you and I were to preach in this time of life that we're in, that by God's word where it says reconciliation, that it means damaging someone to make someone else on the same playing field or in the same way where it means you and I can hold sin and disdain in our heart to even the playing field. Reconciliation doesn't mean even, it means bringing together. But a wolf in sheep's clothing says the biblical truth of innocence, we have great harm done in our, in our world today. The only way to reconcile it is to keep giving perspective and perspective and perspective. And guess how that's working out for our country? It's a ravenous wolf coming up. The Bible says reconciliation is bringing together, not discipline and danger and anger and ferociousness. It's not tearing apart. If you're not praying right now for our leaders of our country to see biblical reconciliation, then maybe you don't need to go any further in this sermon. Because reconciliation in Scripture is bringing together, not tearing apart. We've been tearing apart each other for 400 plus years. I'll stop before I go any further. Look with me in your Bible. In Zephaniah chapter 3, this is what the Lord says. He says, Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled the oppressing city. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy, and they do violence to the law. Look at the people who are doing damage right here. Who are the ones that are harming the people? It's the officials within. It's their judges it's their prophets it's their priests you see what jesus or what scripture says or the lord says here is it is people within the people of god claiming the robes of the king who are not promoting the kingdom which is all that we're here for but instead it's not the people on the outside that we're struggling with it's it's the church from within it's the people of god from within it's people holding on to their own preferences over another. It's, it's people who are intentionally tearing down others or making their place, disregarding the help of the body for the comfort of themselves. If you look in the Old Testament, in all these minor prophets, what do they keep saying? It's the priests, it's the judges, it's the people who wear the label of leaders under the Lord who are being selfish. Selfish. 
out of fear, out of anger, out of hatred, out of self-serving, self-pity, whatever it is. All of this discipline that's delivered onto God's people, it's because their perspective has left being about the kingdom and has become about themselves. Church, you and I need to be aware We need to be aware when that temptation comes upon us. We need to be aware when people like that come into our lives. We need to have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit so that you and I don't go searching for a fight, but that we're aware when someone wearing the name tag of Jesus is in it for themselves and Jesus. Let's go a little further in verse 16 through 18. This is what the Bible says. It says it this way. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Verse 18. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Jesus says something pretty obvious. You and I should see, we should understand, we should be able to tell the difference if we're honest with ourselves about who is and who isn't a wolf in sheep's clothing. If you and I pull our hurt, our fear, our anger, our history, our story out of it, we know just because you plant an apple tree in an orange orchard and there are oranges around the base of the apple tree, that that apple tree is not going to produce oranges. That's what Jesus is saying. You wouldn't look at at a thistle bush and believe that that's where figs come from. It's, It's obviously different. Don't deceive yourself. We've become so smart, though, haven't we? I don't know about you. We've been eating at home and and cooking at home a lot more lately. And in the middle of that, we've been having everything under the sun. Uh, We, the other day, had macaroni and cheese which is a fan favorite, right? It's noodles and cheese and milk and butter and goodness, right? Macaroni and cheese is macaroni, noodles, and cheese. Now, now let me tell you what Jesus is saying in our day and age. There, there are people that say, well, I'm gonna serve you a plate of spaghetti, but it's macaroni and cheese. Now, your kids know better. If you put a plate of spaghetti down in front of your kids and say, enjoy your macaroni and cheese, what are they going to say to you? This isn't macaroni and cheese. Is this a joke, Dad? Are you losing it, Dad? And then if you explain to them, no, 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 it's macaroni and there's Parmesan cheese and you just added some meat sauce in the middle of it. So it's still macaroni and cheese, bonus style. Do you think your kids are going to go, oh, Dad, Thanks for the perspective. You're brilliant and wise. God bless you. You've changed my course. They're going to look at you and smile and politely in child form call you a liar, which is when they go, oh, right? That's a liar. You know it. Macaroni and cheese is macaroni and cheese. Macaroni and cheese is not spaghetti. What Jesus says is, if you and I stop deceiving ourselves, if you and I start Stop putting all these things in front of the gospel, like our feelings, our perspectives, our story, our history, our past, our present, 
our anger, our wants, our desires, our plans. If we move all those things out of the way, it's crystal clear. We should be aware when a wolf in sheep's clothing tries to come into our life. Watched a video by Tony Evans, a pastor in the Dallas area this week. And he made a great thought on this. And, and he presented a twisted gospel. You see, because when things are misaligned, we need to be aware that they're misaligned, that they don't line up. And he said, you know what's funny? Is that we use the word Christian as a noun, and really, we use everything else as the modifier of Christ. I'm a cultural Christian. This, this is my culture. This is my story. This is my ethnicity. Or I'm a patriot Christian. I say God and country, but I mean country and God. You see, when you and I allow things to be modifiers of Christ, then we're turning macaroni and cheese into spaghetti and pretending that it's the same thing. You see, you are a Christian American. You are a Christian South American. You are a Christian white person. You are a Christian black person. You are a Christian Hispanic. You are a, a Christian Asian American. The Christian modifies everything else. That's the gospel. But when you and I allow other things to modify scripture, be aware. A wolf in sheep's clothing is among you and has made its way into your heart and mind. So what do we do with the fruit of such gospel? Verse 19 and 20. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. What does Jesus say? Be aware. Cut it down. Get it out. You don't want to be a part of that. Don't let its way in. Don't put it on your life. This is not idealism. This is action, church. Is there somewhere in your life and in my life that a false gospel narrative, a modified gospel narrative has made its way in and started defining you because your fear or your unknowing or, or your anger or your hurt or your wanting or your pride? And you allow those trees to stay stuck up in your house. They're all, all around you in your daily conversations with your wife. They're all around you when you scroll down the list of your Facebook page. They're all around you with the furrow of your brow when you see someone from a distance that you have a, an angst against. Church, Jesus doesn't say tolerate or try to change. Jesus doesn't say these things we're going to work on over time. He says such false prophets are going to be cut down thrown out and put into the fire you and i need to be aware that we are not to toy with these false truths we aren't to talk we're not to defend we're not to give the other side of the story why because we are aware because jesus is aware look in verse 21 with me i'll read it again to you verse 21 through verse 23 the bible says this 
It says, not everyone who says to me. Now he's not talking to you. He's not giving instruction to you. He's letting us know about him. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you doers, uh, workers of lawlessness. Church, we cannot brush this direction Jesus off as this goal to come to that eventually I want to have nothing to do with these wolves in sheep's clothing these people who come in under this banner of peace but their idea is to undercut the truth of the gospel and there's plenty of it in our history as a church and there's plenty of it in the cultural direction of the the country we live in today our our north star our compass is neither world history nor is it cultural currency of today the direction that we take is from the bible and jesus spells it out very clearly not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's what Jesus lays out for us. You see, he says the obedience in your life is a result of the transformation of the word. That if you believe the word, then you are a new creation. That's scripture. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's scripture. You see, deed demonstrates the word, and the word interprets the deed. If you do without the word, it's false prophecy. If you do to the glory of God, giving credit to God, without the word interpreting your deeds, then you're not promoting Jesus Christ you're promoting subservient lifestyle in a positive way to a higher deity. Does that describe the gospel? Or the other way, if you do words but your deeds display something else. If, if you say love your brother and your deeds show it differently, there's misalignment. If you say, I am a part of the family of God, but you go around being anxious at everyone because of the modifier that you've put in front of your life, that's false gospel. And when we become aware of such things, we need to cut it out and throw it away. Why? Because not everyone who just says, Lord, Lord Jesus, will come into the, to the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father. Well, what does that life look like? That's what we've been talking about for 10 weeks. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, the Beatitudes. The happy life is when we live today soaked in the reality of tomorrow. Matthew 5, 13 through 20, our purpose is to make him known. Matthew 5, 21 through 37, integrity, live from the inside out when our words and our deeds match. 538 through 64, when we go the extra mile for peace and put love within reach and seek to give honor to the Lord. The kingdom life is when you and I realize that prayer isn't about making an impression on God or others, but him making an impression on us. The kingdom life, 6, 16 through 18, is realizing that fasting is about magnifying the almighty, not proving your worth to bless. 
verse chapter 6, 19 through 34. The kingdom life is when we live with our treasure in heaven. Every action today is about investing in tomorrow, the eternal tomorrow, not my paycheck, my popularity, or my people. Chapter 7, verse 1 through 6, the kingdom life is when we realize that we don't belong in the chair of the Almighty, so judging and passing sentence doesn't belong to us. 7, 7 through 14, the kingdom life, a life of obedience, is one focused on God, leading others to his throne and following the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't making some puzzle that you and I have no ability or reality to figure out. Through his spirit, he's saying, look at my word. This is the kingdom life. We can't be drawn into Isaiah chapter 29 where the Lord says, these people draw near to me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's a wolf in sheep's clothing. When we say all the right things, when we do all the right motions, the last end of that verse says, their worship of me is but rules taught by men. They were doing actions. When this doesn't line up, the Lord knows the truth. The Lord knows the reality of our heart. Now, now, follow me here. Walk with me on this point. What Jesus says is, you be aware of others and of you being tempted to allow this falseness to stay in your heart. Because I am aware. I know the truth. It's not a secret, the kingdom life, Matthew chapter 4 through verse chapter 7. Here it is. If you don't want this, if that's not where you are, you're not living the kingdom life. So your lip service isn't enough. Church, we are living in a time when words matter the most, and yet we're most careless with the word. Jesus says, be aware, because I'm aware. He says this. On that day, many, many will say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name? They're going to say, but look at our outside. Look, look at where we've been. He's going to say, hmm, verse 23. I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's, that's heavy. That's heavy. That's not macaroni and cheese. Stay with me. You see, Jesus has been walking us through, not a secret, through his spirit, wakening us. You want to be woke? It has nothing to do with the culture. It has everything to do with Christ. Because he will define the culture. He will define your fear. He will define your emotions. He will define your history. And he will define your future. If you and I are modifying Christ, if we are more passionate about anything than the kingdom, be aware. This isn't Jesus trying to play games. This isn't Jesus saying the ideal Christian is. This is Jesus being straightforward because he loves us. Being willing to say, be aware because I am aware.
church the invitation is to submit to the spirit to let Jesus Christ to let the Holy Spirit qualify your life today this isn't a game Christianity isn't some trick but the church in America we need this word because we need to be reconciled to God. And when we as believers call others to be reconciled to God, then we will be reconciled together. So be aware. Don't tolerate in your house, in your heart, in your story. Don't tolerate the sheep that you know is a wolf. I don't care what he or she looks like. I don't care how sweet their words. I don't care how passionate they make you feel. Because the Lord is aware. And he shares his word so that we will know the reality that his children are called to him. Let the word define your deeds. And your deeds refill the word. This morning, it may be a time of repentance in your heart right now. It may be a time of repentance in your home right now. You know right now, if you were to look Jesus in the face, that you would say, Lord, I tried to be a good person. And he says, that's not enough. Lord, I tried to make things right. He says, that's not enough. Right now, if you were to stand before the Almighty God, you know you would fall short. And you would be the one cast out. Right now, Christian, have you gotten sidetracked? I get it. We're more socially distanced than ever. But have you allowed the distance from the body to create distance from the Lord? And you've defined Christian by this cultural wreck that our world is in because sin is its ruler. You have found yourself not being a promoter of the kingdom, but being promoter of a purpose. Being the promoter of a right. Being the promoter of a people. Let Jesus be your altar this morning. You don't have to be in this place. He is inviting you. Be healed. Be whole. Come home. He is asking you, Christian, live the kingdom life, the full life. He's extending his hand and saying, you'll know it because you're mine. Would you let the love of Jesus wash over you? Father God, I love you so much. Lord, it is so easy not to be aware. Lord, it is easy now as we look around every house in America to say there are some things that we've been calling sheep that are really wolves. There's enough truth in their story to draw our hearts to it, but they hide the bite of sin. Let your church rise today, God. 
Let us respond to your call. Be reconciled to the Almighty. And Lord, in that, reconcile us to one another. Don't let us be afraid. Don't let us be looking for a fight. Let us be aware. Because you are aware, Jesus. We pray this in the name of the only Almighty, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.